Successful Performer Cast, Episode 25. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Successful Performer Cast, the show that interviews professional entertainers to inspire you, our listeners. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you of a few things. Be sure to pick up your free PDF show booking and debrief form that I've put together for you. It's an invaluable tool that will help you keep track of all aspects of your show and get everything you can out of it in order to improve your act and grow as a performer. Pick it up at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash booking sheet. Don't forget to visit our Facebook group where you can go and post questions and help each other out with any business challenges you might have. It's a closed group right now, so you'll have to request entry, but don't worry. I'll let you in. I promise. Find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash FB group. Finally, if you can think of anything I can do to improve my show, any resources you'd like to see on my website, or would like to suggest someone to interview, please drop me a line at ks at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com or hit me up on the social networks and let me know. I'm open to suggestions and feedback and have already implemented many suggestions from you guys. Now, let's get to the good stuff. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show a prodigy in the world of magic. Alex Ramon is a magician who has accomplished so much in so little time it makes my head spin. Alex has toured around the world with Disney Live, Mickey's Magic Show, performing more than 650 shows and for more than a million people, even performing the show in different languages. He became the second youngest ringmaster and the very first magician in history to be the star of the greatest show on earth in Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus show Zing Zang Zoom. For over two years, his show Illusion Fusion was the number one rated show in Lake Tahoe on both Yelp and TripAdvisor, and Alex can now be seen touring his new show, New Magic. And as for professional acknowledgments, he's been presented with the Lance Burton Award, Society of American Magicians President's Award, International Brotherhood of Magicians Presidential Citation, was named National Stage Magic Champion at the, the World Magic Seminar, and most recently became the youngest ever recipient of the Melbourne Christopher Illusionist Award. And the most amazing part is that most of this was accomplished by the time he was 23. Alex Ramon, I am elated to have you on the successful performer cast as a guest. Thank you so much for being here tonight. It is my honor, and I was I was thrilled when I got your email. And um, I, I have listened to some of the podcasts before, and just was excited about it uh, the moment that I read you know the invitation to be on the show. So thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for being here. So real quick, could you tell us a little bit about your your new show, New Magic? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I created this show with uh, Jim Steinmeier and we put this show together and essentially 
I wanted just to have a new style, a new flair, a new feeling for a magic show because um, I always felt that, uh, you know, the magic shows that I'd seen, you know, I just wanted to update it. I wanted to have new uh, theatricalities uh, combined with magic and illusions. And so that's what we uh, went out and set out to do. So in saying that, we, we, we created illusions specifically for this show. A lot of new magic are original illusions uh, that have never been seen before, and I'm the only guy in the world to do them, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, so anyhow, it's a, it's a fast-paced, very interactive magic and illusion show. Uh, one of my favorite illusions is what we call acoustic levitation, where I actually levitate my assistant on sound waves, uh, which is pretty, uh, pretty neat. And it has some pretty cool uh, lighting effects in that illusion as well. I do an illusion with an iPad. I uh, have, also have an illusion that, um, you know, basically new magic, what we wanted to do, like I said, is, is combine theatricalities with illusions. So we have some illusions that are um, older that we redressed and redesigned. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, you just got to go see it, you know. You can describe it, but you got to see it. There's right. some clips on YouTube, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Right, and I watched the commercial for it, and it looks uh, looks really fast paced. It looks really fun, and uh, and I, I think it's really cool that you're that you're trying to introduce more 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 of the the, the new look, more of the uh, like yeah. technology and different things like that. So yeah, it's, it's style stylistically, um, you know, plays an important part in it. It's just the style in which I present this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is what's really new about it. Awesome. I'll definitely have to go check that out. Check it out. Hey, nice. <laughs> so do, do you have a favorite success quote or mantra that you live by? I absolutely do. And um, it's actually the wallpaper on my phone. And it's been the wallpaper on my phone since I first heard it. And it is by Steve Martin. And it's, uh, be so good, they can't ignore you. And that is something that I strive to work towards every single show that I perform Mm -hmm. and just to be so good. They can't ignore you is I, I can't, that to me is just says it all. There's, there's nothing else that, you know, uh, to me, uh, especially in showbiz, um, that you need to, you know, there's no, no, nothing else better than that in my, yeah. And it certain it certainly seems to be paying off for you. I mean, you've uh, <laughs> j- just like I, I read with uh, with your intro there, you've certainly accomplished so much in in the the seemingly short amount of time you've been in the world of magic. Can you maybe share with us uh, one specific moment that this particular mantra has really helped you out? You know, I was really, as you had mentioned, I toured with Disney and. Uh, Ringling Brothers Circus. And I was really, when I finished touring with them, I was really excited. And at the same time, um, not hesitant isn't the right word. I guess more anxious. I was anxious to present my show for the first time because I had been the face and and the star of these two large production shows. And I was, you know, the the poster child for these shows and, 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 you know, doing the PRs and promoting that show. But it was, of course, it was still Disney and it was still ringling. And, and that was great. And I loved every minute of it, but there's a difference between presenting somebody else's show and then actually putting together the show yourself. So when I put it together, I just wanted to be, I just said, I wanted to have good magic, good illusions and be the best that I can. And that's where that, that motto, you know, came into play is, be so good they can't ignore you and what ended up happening is 
in a matter of when I got off the road with uh, Ringling Brothers in a matter of eight months after creating a show from scratch and most of the new magic even that illusion show a hundred percent of it I've been doing for less than three years and the reason is because I was we started from scratch after Ringling and um and we became eight months. We opened in Tahoe, and in just a few months, we became the number one attraction. And people writing reviews on about the show, and and knowing that that was something that I worked towards, that I wanted to create, and that I wanted to you know show people, and and having them say, "Wow, that was great!" And I worked toward that, and I wasn't just presenting somebody else's production, but it was actually the production that I put together myself. Um, and it really paid off because you know we had a really successful run, and where was like as you said. It, it, number one attraction in Tahoe. Yeah, so yeah. that's where that I would say really paid off to me and and I felt that that you know really meant something. Right. That's uh that that absolutely makes sense. I mean, you obviously want to do everything that you can to yeah. make sure you're, you know, putting your your best foot forward as you said. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Now, that that was uh, uh Illusion Fusion, right? Correct. Illusion Fusion was, was my show in Tahoe. Okay. Now you you also mentioned uh, doing uh, PR and like promoting and stuff. Were, right. were you doing that uh, as well with uh, Ringling Brothers and oh, with yeah. the, the the Disney show as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, and Ringling Brothers was a pretty intense schedule. Um, in our first year tour, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Ringling Brothers Circus tour was a two-year contract. So we did two years all over the United States. And in the first 11 months of the tour, which was the first year, um, we performed over 400 shows. And I had done more than 250 PR events, which meant uh, whether it was television interviews, radio interviews, um, red carpet events, um, meet and greets. So in a period of 11 months, I did close to, well, I guess it was close to 700 events in a period of 11 months. So it was pretty intense. Yeah. Could you bring us into your journey a little bit and how you discovered magic or how it maybe discovered you? (laughs) I would say the latter is, is more accurate. Yeah. Um, I went to work with my dad when I was about 13 years old and a coworker of his was a magician named Paul Brown. And he showed me a card trick and I had never seen a magician before. And I just was, I, I I didn't understand. I, I was there's that's impossible. That can't happen. And I was immediately hooked. And I grabbed a deck of cards when I went home. And I just tried to do anything. I didn't even know what I was trying to do, but I was just doing it, trying to do something with a deck of cards, shuffle them, I guess. And then my dad um, bought me a magic book for Christmas. It was the Mark Wilson's Complete Course in Magic. Mm-hmm. And that began began my journey. And it became a hobby of mine. And actually, the funny thing is, I never wanted to perform. I wasn't a performer. I didn't like being in front of people. I just wanted it as my hobby. I wanted it to be my secret. And I didn't tell anybody. And so for about the first two years that I was practicing card tricks and um, had my interest in magic, not many people knew. And I never did a show, so it was uh, it was kind of my little secret. And then from there, uh, it turned into my hobby, and I ended up did I ended up performing and doing shows, and uh, it led me on my way. Wow, curious what what does your dad do for work? My dad is a driver, so he was a courier, okay. and now he drives um, uh, transit buses. Got it, got it. So, what ultimately uh, made you decide that you wanted to go pro as a performer? Well, my mom 
kind of lovingly coerced me to perform mm-hmm. my first show, right? And she's like, yeah, you should do this. And, and I remember my first time I, I got called because it was a friend of the family that asked me to do their summer party. And they said, can you come do some magic for the, because my mom had told them that I was into this and can you do magic for, you know, this party that we're having? And I said, well, okay. And, you know, a little hesitant, but my mom said, yes, you're going to do it. And they said, okay, well, how much do you charge? And I didn't really get it. I didn't understand the question. I said, what, what do you mean? She goes, well, how much do you charge to do the show? And I, you know, hold on. And like, mom, how much do I charge? You know? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like 20 bucks maybe. And so I got 20 bucks and it was pretty cool. And it happened very organically that way. So all through high school, I was doing birthday parties and libraries and school events, but it never really sunk into me that I was doing this professional. This was a career. This is what my job was, you know? Um, and I remember when I realized I was in show business, I was probably out of high, right out of high school. I was uh, night about 19 years old, probably. And I was doing a variety show in San Francisco called circus cabaret. And I was loading in, I had, I was doing a dove act and card manipulations and, you know, doing a nice silent magic manipulation routine that I was competing with at the time. Okay. And these people, as I'm unloading my car and, and taking into the venue, these people were asking me, well, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm a magician. I'm in a show called Circus Cabaret. They said, oh, you're in show business. I'm like, well, no, no, I'm, I'm a magician and I'm loading in. There's a show called Circus Cabaret. She goes, you're an entertainer. I was like, mm, no, I'm a magician. And like, I, you know, I just didn't, it didn't click, you know, for, so, for whatever reason. I just, it was like a hobby. It was still my hobby. And right. then- after yeah. that conversation, I realized, wait a second, I am an entertainer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and that's when I guess I went pro. So h- how old were you when, uh, when that kind of clicked for you then? Were you still in high school at that point? or uh, No, I was, I was probably – this was right after I won the Lance Burton Award. Okay. So I was – yeah, I mean I was – in high school, I was performing over 250 shows a year. I would take weeks off from high school and go perform on uh, these little library tours and the circuits over there. And mm-hmm. and even at that time, and I was in the paper and you know television, and I had done that even in high school, but I still didn't – for whatever – like I said, for whatever reason, it didn't click in my head that this was – it was just my hobby. You know, and I just, it was always just so organic that that's what I was doing. Um, and it wasn't until I was about 19 after I won, you know, um, at the World Magic Seminar that I was like, oh, well, this is actually what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, is it is it true that you, you've never actually had a, uh, a quote unquote real job, right? This is all you've done is, uh, oh, yep. is just performing? I've, yeah, I've never had okay. any job i've only done magic ever since i was uh like i said i mean i did my first show probably right around uh 15 i was probably 14 or 15 years old and um and i've never never done anything else right can you uh maybe tell us about a specific failure that you've had that we can all learn from yeah i mean i think in the early days um failure doesn't you know you're not as scared to fail Mm-hmm. Right. So like when I was competing and I was a teenager and I wouldn't, I, you know, the first competition I didn't win and the next competition I came in second and the next one I won. And then, you know, I mean, you, those failures, although I didn't win, it didn't really hit me because it was like, okay, you know, I'm still, um, I'm, I'm still trying. I still want to get to that point. And yeah. I think as you got older, there was more of a like, oh man, I can't fail. I can't fail. And yet 
you still do and you still can. You know right, what I mean? Right. So I guess um, a specific time there I felt that I failed was um, when I first started producing the shows myself. You know, I okay. first started producing shows myself. I got off the road with the Ringling Brothers Circus, and this was after Disney, after Ringling, and I knew I didn't really want a gig. I didn't really want to be hired and be the entertainer at an event. I wanted to be the event. I wanted people to buy tickets to my show. I didn't want to just entertain at a party. And that, I think, really helped me in a direction for my career, um, which is what I do now. And basically, I did my first show. I produced myself. Um, and it was it was very successful. And I was like, all right, yeah, all right, now I'm going to produce my own tour. Because I just did one. It was kind of almost like a homecoming after I'd been on the road for so long. And we did really well. It sold out. Great. And now I'm going to produce a tour. Well, um, that's a lot more difficult than just doing one show. Yeah, because you're, you're in different places and you have to contact different venues. You have to there, – there's all kinds of footwork you got to do. Yeah, and you have to sell tickets in mm -hmm. all these different cities and be on top of it all. And um, basically, um, you know, we uh, had to cancel. I had to cancel a few shows um, because no tickets were being sold. I had one venue um, tell me. Uh, they called me in. They said, "Hey, let's let's talk about this." And she said, "The um, the manager of the venue said, look, Alex, this is the this is the situation. Is that you know at this point, this is a few days before the show. She says, uh, at this point, if you do the show, you're actually going to lose more money than if you cancel it." Yeah. And you know, because sales aren't there. She's like, "It's just impossible for you know for you to make any money. So if you cancel the show, uh, you'll actually." save money. And if you do it, you're actually going to lose more money. <laughs> so wow. I mean, how's that? You hear that, you know, that's yeah. raw truth. And, and I said, um, I'm going to do the show. And she said, okay. And she made me write her a check right then and there to make sure that they got paid and that right. I wouldn't skip out and not pay them. So, um, you know, and that was a moment that I realized, you know, I got to really work hard for this. And it's not, people aren't just going to show up just because you have a magic show. doesn't mean people are just going to show up yeah. I, to get them there. And you have to convince them to, to, to come and, and then deliver a really good show. So, um, but I have to say, we just, uh, performed there. That was the first time I ever performed in that market. And we just did our third, there's our third performance in that same market. So it's mm -hmm. been three years. Okay. And now it's a, that market's kicking. We did really, really well. We almost sold out there. And, um, you know, it's just being persistent, but that first one, that was a failure where I didn't sell. I lost money, but you know what? I went back the next year, did okay. And then I went back this year and, uh, we did really well. So congratulations on that, by the way, you're, it's, uh, seems to be going pretty well for you. So what, what have you changed from that point to this point that it's so different for you? Um, I got better at producing. Okay. Um, my show is better. Um, I learned, you know, how to, um, you know, get the most out of the marketing efforts that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And most of the marketing efforts that I'm doing are social media and people that have already uh, seen me perform. So I have a, lar a large mailing list. Okay. Uh, most of it is in Northern California, but um, it spreads throughout the country. Um, but the majority is definitely Northern California and learning how to tap into those people. And, and to be honest, I'll tell you, most people who come to my show have seen my show before or they and they're coming back, which is amazing. Yeah. Or they someone told them to go that had seen my show. So pretty much everybody that is going to see my show on tour is one degree away from me, meaning 
They've either seen my show or someone who's seen my show told them to go. And then you have to deliver a great product. You have to give them a great show. And, and that's why I, I, myself and the team and my crew and cast that work with me, yeah. we do our best to make sure that we deliver every single time because there are repeat customers and we have to entertain them and, and have them leaving with uh, saying rave reviews. Otherwise, uh, we're not going to sell tickets the next time. Right. So the, the, the majority of the people coming to your shows right now are repeat customers or one degree of uh, word of mouth, I, basically. Yeah, I would say I would say I wouldn't say most of them are repeat, but I, but I guess it, it, there are a handful of repeat customers. Uh, a good portion. Yeah. And okay. usually what that what it is, is one person had seen my show before and then they bring 10 new people. You know what nice. I mean? Yeah. And, it's, and you hear that all the time. And then when we were on tour and we were in Seattle and, and you know, other cities, um, you have people coming up saying, uh, you know, I always ask them at the meet and greet, how did you hear about the show? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times people will say, well, my, um, you know, if they're the family, oh, my mom saw your show in Tahoe or my mom saw your show in the Bay Area and she found out you're going to be here and they bought us tickets. Yeah. So you have other people buying tickets, other people tickets to my show. And so it's, you know, I guess it's a community is I really try and connect with my fans a lot and, uh, and really say, Hey, we're going to sell out, you know, Seattle, spread the word, tell people, share this, share this link and share this video and, and, um, you know, and try and give back to, to those, that fan base, because your core fan base is really what's going to help you in this, in this field of, of that I'm in. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned you do uh, a lot of social media and you also have a large mailing list. Right. Uh, so you, you're doing both of that then, right? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Social media is very important. I learned how to, um, you know, be most engaging mm-hmm. on social media, I think is very important. Um, so, uh, I, I, I strive very hard to be engaging because that's where, you know, people are, you know, we're, we can now talk directly to our consumers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, things like Twitter, people can tweet you directly and things like mm-hmm. Facebook, you know, you can get you to you directly and, you know, you always want to be engaged because I, I want people to come to my show, not because, oh, there's a magic show in town, but because, because they like says, you, they know you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, my friend Alex is in town. You should go see. Him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So what, what are some ways that you engage with your audience on the social networks? Well, um, of course, always trying to comment and like posts, uh, you know, and comment uh, you know, toward them on their posts. Um, something that I began doing is I would do giveaways for my, um, for my mailing list, like what I did in Tahoe. Right. And I would say, Hey, Lake Tahoe ice cream's on me, you know, show up at this ice cream place like snowflake. And from on, you know, Saturday, this day, from this time, to this time, free ice cream on me. And what that does is it gets people to share it like crazy. And I'll say share. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I did that, all of Lake Tahoe, you know, sharing it, sharing it, sharing it. And, you know, not everybody is really going to um, come. Yeah. But at the same time, everybody knows about it. So mm-hmm. it's you know, another way to get – it's just engaging. And then they can see me outside of the stage. And they see me there. We take pictures. They talk about it. And it's just, um, you know, just being a person. Uh, you know what I mean? Right, right. As I think is important. And and you're also kind of uh, increasing your celebrity a little bit as well because, sure. I mean, you're you're doing this for them. And like you said, you're taking pictures and, and uh, you're basically showing them what you're like in everyday situations. Yeah. yeah. And I, the truth is, is you want to be 
truthful about it and I love it and it's mm-hmm. fine. You know, I had a good time. Um, so we do those kind of things and, uh, and, you know, just always trying to be engaging with, with the fans. I did, I just did, um, uh, some, a few magic tricks over Snapchat, you know, I was on Snapchat and I was like, Hey, magic Snapchat. And, you know, I had some people message me and I did a trick for them over Snapchat. So using social media, you're using apps and, and technology mm-hmm. to get magic to them one-on-one because when you do, like said, Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, mm-hmm. those are direct, you know, um, communication with, with your, with your, with the consumers, with your, yeah, your people. Yeah. And they do become friends and they become, you know, you have relationships with these people and you talk to them and they, and you know, um, so I think that's very important. Perfect. Now let, let's also talk a little bit about uh, your approach to your email list. Uh, could you maybe talk about different ways that you've used to grow your email list? Well, yeah, absolutely. Every single performance I do, I do a mailing list sign up, mm-hmm. and um, I'll they're out in the lobby. There's these sign up sheets, and in um, in Tahoe, what I would do is I would do like uh, ticket giveaways. Uh, you know, every so often is be on the email list. You're coming up to Tahoe. Here's tickets on me, and you know things like this. Um, what I started doing when I started my tour. And it's because when I started the tour, the cities we're performing in are requests. You know, people would say, oh, you should really check out this city. You should really perform in this city. And I did. And then I come and then I tell them, hey, you told me to come here. So I'm counting on you to spread the word. Yeah. And I make it very personal. So that way my success is their success. Mm-hmm. You know, we got people here out in Livermore. We got people out here in Modesto. We got people out here in Reading and Portland and Seattle and on all these other – in LA and all these places, right? And – Then what I started doing um, is the email list. I said, you know what? I'm going to give a free magic show. I said, I'm doing a completely free magic show for someone here today. So if you're not on the list, sign up. That's at the end of the show. I make an announcement. Someone's going to win a free show. And it's me (laughs) giving back. It's for, I said, it's a free show. It's a free 30 minute show by me for any event that you want. And it's a way for me to say thank you and giving back to you guys for coming out today and, um, you know, and supporting me and making, you know, this show and this tour successful. And not only does that get, you know, the same people on my mailing list to re-sign up and, 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 and become, still become, want to be engaged with me, but the new people who are seeing it for the first time want to be you know, um, associated and, and have that chance too. So, I mean, there is a little bait there by saying I'm doing a free show. And of right. course I'm actually in the process of scheduling these shows right now because I, um, have to do about, I don't know, a dozen of them or so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, but that's just it is that you give back to the people and saying, Hey, thank you. Because if they didn't come out, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have been there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm seeing a couple of really important things uh, popping up here. One of them is uh, you, you, can't, you can't really expect somebody to want to sign up for your list unless you're going to give them something in return, whether it be a chance to win free tickets or right. if you're buying them ice cream or whatever. Right. You know, they, they, have to ha- they have to have a reason to essentially opt into your list. Right, and the second thing that that uh, really stood out to me is that you listen to your audience in where you go. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think tell, that's very powerful. <laughs> yeah, I I, t- I would tell people um, in in the show. I'd say, hey, this is our tour dates, you know. And then I would have some people say, shout out a city. They'd be like, hey, you know, this city or this city. And I go, really? And they, yeah. And then even and this is in the live show, mm-hmm. um, and because. Um, 
like I had said, you know, my show in stylistically is different than others. And it, and it's, I want people to be relaxed and, you know, there's that there, there, you know, I, of course it's a professional production, but it's also like, I want them to feel like their friend is on stage and they're supporting their friend. Yeah. And you do that by talking with them and being real with them. And, and there isn't this hierarchy of, oh, I'm the magician and performer on stage. And you're just, you're, you're lucky to be able to watch me. You know, it's like, that was, um, I think old school. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of magicians used to have that uh, persona and that character on stage and it worked for them. And I think nowadays, uh, people don't buy that. They just want to be associated with the person on stage and they want to know them and, you know, and, uh, and all that, that goes with it. So yeah, I would, um, I would say during the end of the show, I'd say, oh, we're going on tour. We have these, you know, cities are the dates. You have any cities, let me know outside. We'll be outside. Tell me. And I'd have people all the time. You really need to check out this venue in this city. Yeah. Really? And I'd write it down. And so my assistant, she has a little pad and paper and I'd say, write that down where, you know, what city, what's it called? And they're going, okay. And it's like, all right, if I go, you're going to have to tell people. And I, and I'd say, look, you have to tell people I'm going to be there. I'm going to email you. And like, I'll sign up on the list. And they would, and we'd make sure we contacted them directly. And, um, and that's, that's how it really worked is that I, I, I go to the cities that people tell me to go to. Yeah. And uh, another thing is I, I think people today now, they want to be more involved in the products that they're buying in general too, you know? Oh, that, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. And you know mm-hmm. what? You, um, just reminded me something else that I did when you talk about being, sure. oh yeah. um, I did. And if you look on my Instagram and my Facebook, I posted two, um, designs for my show poster for new magic for my tour. And I posted them and I said, I can't decide you decide for me. <laughs> and I spoke, I said, I put up two designs in two different colors. One was a blue and one was a gold. I said, comment which color and whichever one gets the most, that's the one I'm going with. <laughs> and so I did that. And I mean, I got a hundred, I think I got like, I don't remember how many, there was like maybe even a thousand comments. Yeah. There was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments and I put it on Twitter and I put it on Instagram and I put it on Facebook and all the social medias and so many people were engaged and I had magicians, a few magicians message me and say, that was so smart, you know, yeah. and it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't about like what I thought was best. It's the people who are buying tickets, those people, they're going to get the best. They are going to decide what the show is going to be essentially, you know, and, and that way by the artwork, by the color. So, um, and then of course I said, well, this one, won, you know, blue one mm-hmm. and posted it. And I go, there you go. All right. You voted blue. Let me know. And, and that was another way to be engaging too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pretty cool. And, and just how different do you feel when I, let, let's, let's say you, you go to a, a rock show of, of, uh, you know, what, one of the bands that you like, maybe they're local and they're like, you know, they, they have a local celebrity or whatever, right. but you yourself took a part in, uh, you know, maybe the design of, of yeah. the cover of their latest album. Exactly. You're going to that show and, and now you're like, you're a part of it, you know, you're, because yeah. you helped them out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that exactly. And yeah. that's what I want. I want people uh, to do that. And I have a new, um, a new project or a new, I not project isn't the right word, a new campaign that I'm already thinking about for next tour, um, for next summer tour of what I'm going to do differently, um, to keep that engagement going and a little bit different. And it's going to be really engaging. I mean, going on the streets and I mean, it's really getting the people 
you know, involved. So, I mean, it's not much different than when you think about it, what Kickstarter and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, um, those kind of uh, sites do is it gets people engaged. It gets people aware of this project, this product, um, right away. So they feel a part of it, you know? And I think that that's really cool to do, especially in a, um, live show format, not just something, you know, like, oh, well, I'm going to create this, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever it may be. In a live show, they actually get to see it and enjoy it and then have take other people to go see and enjoy it as well, um, which I think is pretty neat, you know? Yep. So, Alex, could you tell me about one of your favorite successes? Uh, yeah. Um, I, when I was, let's see. Well, I have a couple, um, but I'll go fast. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, I was about, I guess, 22 when I was offered and I signed a contract for Ringling Brothers Barn and Bailey Circus. And I was knew that I was going to go to the circus. And, you know, we had the white model meeting and we were involved in all this, putting the show together. And and I, I remember talking to Kenneth Feld. And Kenneth Feld, who was the producer of the show and has produced uh, Siegfried and Roy, he produced the producer of Siegfried and Roy at the Mirage okay. and, you know, does everything. I mean, it's just Feld Entertainment is a wonderful company. And I mean, I learned so much there and from Kenneth and Kenneth kind of encouraging me and the way things that he would say to me before we began the show, right? Before we began Ringling. Mm-hmm. And, and we were in winter quarters, which is the rehearsal process, which was six and a half weeks. It was very intense. And I just took it really seriously because I wanted it to be the best that I could be. And I think before that, when I was, even, like I said, competing and with Disney, that it kind of just happened organically. And I kind of was along this ride and I didn't really, you know, I was like, oh, I'm in, you know, I'm doing magic and, you know, and, and I was having a good time. But, di- but Ringling, I started taking it very seriously because I was like, you know what? I have a big responsibility on my shoulders yeah. and I have to deliver. And Kenneth had told me point blank saying, look, if you don't have the energy for this show, the show's not going to work. You know, it's not, it's going to fail. And he kind of, you know, said that to me going, Hey, look, man, you have to bring it. And so I worked really, really hard. Um, and I did my best. And I remember just the opening night of the circus, just feeling so, I wasn't nervous at all because I knew that I put everything that I could into it and, um, you know, into rehearsals. There's nothing more that I could have done to better prepare me for that moment. Yeah. And I just feel like as entertainers and in life, I guess, you know, you, you know, being nervous is lack of preparation, but I yeah. knew I was just ready. And I was so happy at the, at that performance to do that. And that was a huge success for me. Cause I, you know, I, it was accomplishing something that I worked really hard for. Um, uh, you know, two others is of course opening my show in Lake Tahoe, mm-hmm. and I had that goal, um, you know, for a couple of years, just saying I want to have my own show and yeah. opening in Tahoe, being the number one number one attraction, having so many people being so well received in that community, mm-hmm. was amazing success. And then of course, uh, producing and booking these tours that I'm doing now, um, you know, I'm producing them on my own and uh, and just accomplishing goals. Every time you have a goal, accomplishing it. So those are very you know moments in my career thus far that I've I felt very accomplished and happy with with uh, the way things have gone. As you should be. Now, uh, with with the uh, the Disney show or uh, Zing Zang Zoom, did you uh, were, were you trying to get those shows? Were you approaching them no. or did they come to you? Uh, they came to me. Okay. Um, 
when I was competing in uh, the World Magic Seminar, mm-hmm. I won Lance Burton Award, and there was a man named Steve Daly, okay. um, who it was in Vegas, who I met. And he said, you know, uh, we should keep in touch. I think that, you know, we might be able to work together one time. And, um, you know, I said, great. A couple years go by, maybe about a year or two go by. And I get a call from Steve. And it was a, he left a voicemail because I didn't, I didn't get it back. And then he called again and left another voicemail. And, um, you know, it was late by the time I got these voicemails. And I, I'm going to call him in the morning. Yeah. And then he called me again that night. He called me three times. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, Steve. I said, like, you know, I was trying to, you know, I was going to call you tomorrow morning. And he said, no, no, no. I need to talk to you now. There's this big show that's going to be touring and they're looking for young magicians, uh, tour with Disney, with Feld Entertainment. And, um, they're, you know, I think you'd be great for it. They already know about you. I told them about you. They're expecting your call tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and he said, Kenneth Feld is producing it. And I didn't know who Kenneth Feld was. And he kind of laughed at me. I go, I don't know who that is. And he laughed. He goes, well, you will know who he is. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, and then of course I called the next day and guys like, Hey, Alex, I've been waiting for your call. And I have no idea who I'm talking to, you know? And it's like, <laughs> okay. And then they set me up with an audition. Um, I auditioned and then they asked me, um, you know, shortly after to go tour. And I did three years with that. And then from that, uh, the Felds, Kenneth and Nicole Feld, his daughter, mm-hmm. um, they saw me from the Disney show, Disney Live, Mickey's Magic Show, and they approached me and said, we want to do a magic-themed Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. And w- I was in L.A. Uh, when they approached me with them, and um, they said, what do you think? And I said, I'm very interested. I've never seen a circus. <laughs> and they started <laughs> laughing, and they're like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, you have to see a circus first. Yeah. We went and saw the circus, and uh, and then, you know, I – Again, the deal happened and I was, uh, you know, on the circus train, uh, you know, just a, about a year later. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, <laughs> and so every time they approached me, you know, and then um, for those two things. Yeah, okay. And, uh, yeah. you know, but you, you want that. I think that every show leads to the next show. Mm-hmm. You know, every step leads to the next, you know, project. Yeah, every day you're out there doing it. Right. Constantly getting seen, constantly meeting new people. Right. Yeah. So the the Zing Zang Zoom that was uh, in the round, correct? Correct. These are we performed in big arenas um, all over the country. So we performed at the Staples Center in L.A., Madison okay. Square Garden um, in New York City. <laughs> we performed, you know, all over American Airlines Arena, United Center, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like performing Magic in the round? <laughs> wow. You know, it was very. First of all, Jim Steinmeier, um, you know, designed the illusions for that show. And right. it's pretty incredible because not only you have to you have to realize not only are you performing in the round, okay, but when you're in these large arenas, most of your audience is somewhat looking down on the performance, right? That's a good most, point. Yeah, most people don't think of that mm-hmm. because um in smaller, maybe like circuses, you're just in the round. But yeah. You know, and as difficult as that is, now you have to design illusions that can be done in the round, but also you have to remember can play from someone looking down upon them as opposed to at the same level. So you you have a complete sphere rather than just a 360 degrees yeah. of uh, yeah. of angle problems. It's yeah. like it's, yeah. it's yeah. phenomenal. And so, yeah, you're right. It's exactly what it is. And so I remember um, performing. <laughs> 
we were in the Tampa, it, the, the, the show rehearsed in the Tampa uh, fairgrounds in Florida, Tampa fairgrounds. And in this big, like it was a big hangar, like this big, huge <laughs> hangar. And on the walls at the very top of the ceilings, the walls that, you know, pointing in what direction, uh, for whatever reason, they had them on the walls painted up there. And as I was in rehearsals, you know, I'm more of a cerebral learner that meaning that in rehearsals, I kind of have to, you know, really understand what I'm doing and, and the whole process and the script and everything before I go all out performing. And so I remember the director, Shonda Sawyer, who was a fantastic director. She has such great vision. She told me, you know, I want to see you, you know, really deliver, deliver. And I kind of was like, yeah, no, I, I get it. But I, I really want to understand what's going on here. And, and I remember Jim Steinmeier coming over to me and said, look, you know, they really want to see you just really throw it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, so he goes, perform to north, south, east, west, you know, uh, way up there and big, be big. And, and I did. And they afterwards, I go, that's great. That's exactly what you want to do. But it was tough because I say that because it was a lot of energy is being expelled, but that energy has to carry off from behind, right? Mm-hmm. And so what Kenneth would tell me is he says, you have to be fast and you have to be funny from behind, you know? <laughs> you know, you have to be just, if you're not, he, he said, if you're not funny, you have to be fast. So he would tell me, because you have to be fast and you have to, you know, uh, another funny, another interesting thing that he told me is that, um, you know, you're never, he said, you will never get the attention of all 10,000 people at the same time. You know, you'll get, you know, some attention here, some attention here, but that means you just have to keep the show moving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there are some difficulties that come in and performing in the round, but, uh, you know, you, you, you get used to it. You get to, you know, you know, run around. It was, it was great. I mean, it, it, there's, there's difficulties, but I guess there's pros and cons of everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Could you tell us an interesting story, something that you've encountered during your performance career? Um, Yeah. Something interesting, and that was very fun. Well, you know, there's always going to be, you know, live entertainment. You always have funny moments. Uh And this, uh, I had this child on stage um, helping me do magic. And it was just, this this kid was so funny. And he was just, is this like a funny kid in this? This little, it was a little girl and she started in the middle of this routine, kind of started, <laughs> I mean, started like jumping up and down. And oh no. Like, okay. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. And I go, wait, what, what, what's going on? And I was like, you know, what, what's going on? And she's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And everybody starts laughing. And, and I'm like, wait, 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 because we're like in the middle of this routine. I'm like, can you hold it? She's like, no, no, I can't. I go, just hold oh, it. No. Now it's going back and forth. And, you know, eventually we finish the routine and I go, go, go run. And like her dad stands up and she like almost dives like off the stage, catches her. And like they go running out and the whole audience, you know, just dies in laughter and they have a great time. And, you know, moments and real moments like that yeah, are what people remember. Because you have to remember every audience wants to feel that they're seeing a show that is unique, that is special. And that's something that jumped out in my mind that I just remember that people – remember that and that's like oh i was at the show where this kid did this or i was at the show where this happened yeah. and you have all these moments that you want to create in your show i mean and that one was just a fluke and you know it happened one time and you know a thousand performances but i mean 
you know, that, that you remember and you can take and you, you go with it, you know, you go with the moment, you let people enjoy the experience, um, of being a part of a unique performance. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what that story is more about. You know what I mean? Is that you want to have, you want your show to feel like unique every single night, even though you may be doing it, you know, multiple, you know, all the time we were doing six nights a week, you know what I mean? And sometimes we were doing two shows a night, you know, and our Ringling Brothers, we were doing three shows a day. So it's the same show. And, um, yeah, I mean, those, those are fun moments that happen, um, there. I mean, in, in the circus, you had different things that would, that would come into play where, you know, this act, you know, this, this rig isn't, you know, working so, or not, you know, it's not rigged correctly right now. We're having problems with it. So we have to cut that act and we have to move on to the next thing. And, you know, you're constantly being on your toes. It's, um, you know. Just all those elements that that come into play when you're in a live performance. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely true that uh, you know people want to be at the show where you know something happened. Right. You know? and, yeah. yeah, and 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 so you you have to you have to always be on the lookout for ways that you can you know, make it personal for the people right. that you're performing for. Maybe whether you're, you know, just doing a uh, table hopping, uh, right. you know, set for, for people at a restaurant or you're standing up on stage for, you know, thousands of people. Yeah. You know, I mean, and this is even in, in when you look at David Copperfield's show and Lance Burton's show or Matt King and, you know, all these pros. Um, and something that's in my show too, is that you have moments on stage that look, like they are, mm -hmm. you know, happening for the very first time. Yep. Yeah. And when, if you see the show multiple times, you realize that it happens every show and it's because that's, it's supposed to, mm -hmm. and it's a great moment, but the audience feels like it's happening for the very first time, yep. which is, you know, I, I, I think, and this is my, my, I get going on to perform, you know, designing a show, my philosophy of putting a show together is, you know, you never want to repeat moments. You don't want to repeat moments, meaning that if you're going to float somebody in the air as a magician, you do one levitation, yeah, one levitation in a show. You do one sawing in half in a show. You know, in my show, I bring one kid on stage during the whole show. I bring one woman on stage during the whole show. I bring one man volunteer on stage for the whole show because I don't want that, that visual or that, you know, um, that moment repeated. You know, so it's very, you know, you know, one time this, one time that, one time this. And, you know, you don't want to repeat those moments. And that's what some of that, those things happen. Yeah, it cuts like, down on monotony. Exactly. And mm -hmm. it, those things happen where it feels like it's organic and it feels like it's happening for the very first time. And it's actually because it's been designed that way. Yeah. You know, it was created that way to, um, to give the best show possible. And and one of the biggest challenges is to make a a written organic moment seem organic. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah, yep. definitely. That's tough. I mean, and that's across the board. I mean, yeah. you know, you have singers singing ballads where it's very serious, and they're singing them every night, and they have to feel that you know whether it's that sadness or that loss in the song every night. Yeah. And you know, when you connect to the to your work, um, you don't really have to fake it. You know, you really are genuine when you're, you know, saying that piece of script or, or you're singing that particular song. 
um, because you feel that way. Yeah. And, you know, and I always, every single show, I thank the audience for coming and being a part of, you know, my show. And, and I'm very serious when I say it, because without them, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You know, the audience is really, you know, responsible for my career. And, and, you know, you can never, you know, you have to have the utmost respect and audience comes first, you know, mm. audience comes first, that they're, they're the ones that are, you know, allow me to do what I love and allow me to have turned my hobby into a career, you know? I mean, so the respect to the audience always has to be there and, and their, you know, experience of your show, uh, I think is key and it's number one. Yeah. You, you have to be connected to your work and your art, but I think also a really big part of that that helps out is to be connected with your audience as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two yeah. really important pieces. Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, being engaging. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you want those people to want to, you know, everybody wants to be a part of a success. Yeah. And actually, that's why it's kind of cool, cool that this is the successful performer, uh, <laughs> former cast. You know, success is an idea. You know, that word doesn't have a definitive answer. You can't say, well, that person's successful and that person's successful because success is an idea. And if you can create this idea and inspire somebody to achieve and go after, the idea of success, you know, and, and or be a part of it or be a part of your success and their idea of what you're doing. That is what's key. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to be a part of it. And that I think is something that I'm, I'm learning too, is that, um, every day, you know, you're just going, I want people to be encouraged and inspired by, you know, maybe if it is something that I do and add some magic to their life that they, they, they get excited about something that they're going to do. Yeah. And however that ins- inspiration or that encouragement comes from, it comes from in the form of a magic show and, you know, the success that they've seen in my show, you know, I, I'm all for that. And hopefully that idea can then, you know, be uh, transferred over to someone else from them. You know, and that's what, you know, that's what it's about. That's what, you know, that's why you want to engage people. You want them to be a part of, you know, your success and my show. And so they're a part of it just as much as I'm a part of it, you know. And, and of course, I, I have to work hard to deliver every time. And that's my job. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Alex, what has been the biggest challenge for you so far in, in producing your show? Wow, good question. Um. I will tell you quite honestly the um the last few months before this tour that happened there was a lot of um I had a lot of losses <laughs> okay unfortunately um you know there was um I had some equipment and some pretty important things to the show uh, that were stolen oh no I had a lot. yeah and this was about a week and a half yeah, a week and a half before the first tour date, um, I had a lot of equipment stolen that had to be replaced in a very short amount of time. Some stuff is replaceable and some yeah. stuff is irreplaceable, oh, man. and we had to make it work. Uh, along the same time, one of the venues that I was going to be performing at <laughs> called me up and said they're filing bankruptcy. Oh, no. So, yeah, so basically, um, you know, all the money invested into performing at that venue was absolutely lost and people had already purchased tickets to that show. Um, they kind of, that venue just kind of said, we're gone. And I had to do as much damage control that I could possibly do, um, to the people who bought tickets, which I didn't even know who they were because the 
the venue closed and I didn't get a any kind of a list list I contact those ticket buyers. And I mean, this was all right before, um, you know, the tour that we were just about to happen that was just about to happen. And it was really, really quick and sudden. And, you know, that was a huge, huge challenge because now, you know, here I want to show a, you know, put on a great performance that I'm really proud about that I've been working on very hard to excited customers who have already purchased tickets. And I'm, I mean, I'm not, obviously I'm not starting from square one and, 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 you know, but at the same time, I now have lost something that I need to get back before I, you know, go do these shows. And it added, you know, it was a very big challenge, but luckily, you know, the people that I work with, um, my crew and, and, and my assistant, they were very understanding and supportive of the work that I was trying to do to make this all happen. And, and they did, they put in a lot of time and hours to make it successful, to help um, be a part of, you know, the tour, um, you know, and for it to even go, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they were really instrumental in, um, you know, in, uh, in making, making the tour even launch that we can yeah. even do it. So, you know, those things happen. And, and I, I'm sharing that now to anybody who's listening to this, because it's funny, I saw Sean Farquhar, um, like right after this, this was like maybe a few weeks later, mm-hmm. maybe like two weeks later after this. Right. And I had told Sean, Sean had said, Hey, I saw you had to, you know, cancel or, you know, one of your shows. And I said, yeah, I did because he saw, I guess a post or a blast that I sent out saying that, Oh, this show has been canceled or it's been rescheduled, you know? And he had seen this and he was telling me, Oh, so what happened there? And I go, right. As I was about to tell him, the funniest thing happened is he said, you know, I once had a venue file bankruptcy on me. <laughs> and I looked at Sean, I looked at Sean, and I said, that's what happened. And we had this moment together where we were like, yep. And he said, welcome to the world of producing shows. Wow. And I started laughing. And you know what? The loss that he had, you know, endured yeah. those years ago when that filed bankruptcy on him brought me some encouragement. I mean, I, I, I say that with respect to Sean, I'm not like sure. glad that happened, but you know, it's, the, it's solidarity. Exactly. Yeah. This, it happened to me. I didn't know anybody who had experienced that before. And, you know, I talking to people and you know, the people that I had talked to, they're like, Oh my gosh, this is really, you know, I can't, you know, I'm sorry. I can't believe that. Wow. What do you do? And I'm like, I don't know that Sean could say, Hey, I've experienced this, mm-hmm. you know, and anybody who may be hearing this, um, you know, and they've experienced that, or maybe in the future can find some encouragement saying, Hey, look, you know what? It happens. You have to, you know, go, mm-hmm. through it. you know, I, you know, it makes you stronger, yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, as, as a person in, in character to go through some losses and then being able to, you know, say, well, we got to put it together. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of what I hope, you know, I kind of value these, that experience and those challenges, um, as uh, hopefully ways to encourage other people when they go through some times that they're facing challenges is that if they can find any inspiration by hearing um, about somebody else working through their challenges that, you know, they can be encouraged yeah. to work through theirs. Well, I mean, if, if you think about it, I mean, when, if, for, for example, and I, I know this is a completely uh, different example, but like if somebody finds out they have cancer, who do they go talk to? Right. Other people who have experienced the exact same thing. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's kind of, you know, um, a few challenges. That's, that's one that, and, and that happened back to back. I yeah. mean, 
I mean, it was just like boom, boom. And, you know, I punch. Yeah, it really was. It was, I think two days, there were two days apart when that happened. So how did you spring back from that? Um, you know, it was, I, I took probably the day after I found out all of it, I kind of didn't, I kind of just didn't do anything. I just let him, you know, because I was like, I don't want to just go right away and start working because I, although I knew I would have to do that, I just needed to absorb. And then Mm -hmm. as I had said earlier, I'm a very cerebral person. I'm very, I think about things a lot and analyze things. So I kind of had to take the show. Um, I had to modify it a bit because there are certain things that I could not replace. Um, And then I had to, you know, um, think about what my moves were, you know, okay, well, I have to do this. I have to do this. Well, now that is gone. So I can't do that now. And, you know, so, you know, that took, I I spent a day kind of just thinking about it. And then the next day, boom, took off and started trying to replace things and worked really hard. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it's one of those things I didn't really tell people, I could talk about it now because it was months ago and I'm, I'm over it, but it's at the time, you know, it was like, I, not many people knew, um, because I didn't want to talk about it only because I didn't want that, um, the disappointment feeling to come back and hinder the work that I had to do in order to replace it. So I tried to do my best, um, to, um, you know, to not think about it anymore and just go, okay, I have to, I have to move on. It's gone. I now I need to do this. And it's hard, you know, when you, when you experience those losses and so, yeah, yeah. work through it and press on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, there was, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a downer, but like <laughs> was also, um, you know, that was stolen and what, what, what my car was stolen, but it was like the car, um, also had a lot of my, um, like, like it had a wallet in it with yeah. ca- credit cards. And so all of a sudden I was getting all these at the same time, getting all <sighs> the spot charges and, yeah. you know, I have, you know, having to go 2000 miles to go start the tour in this truck and, you know, not having, you know, certain cards to be able to put things on. And you're just kind of trying to work through these problems, these challenges. And you're going, ah, man, I have to make it work. I have to make it work. And and when you have to make something work, you do. Yep. I think, you know, and this goes on to like, as a, as a, as a performer and entertainer, you know, I feel like there's, there's a, there's a little, um, uh, there's a little contradiction here in thoughts. Cause you know, some people are always told, you know, look, you can go after your dreams, but always have a backup plan. Always have a plan B, you know, go for your dreams, but just in case have a plan B. And I, I respect that opinion, but I don't really agree with it because if you give yourself a backdoor, if you give yourself a plan B, you'll always take an excuse. Yeah, exactly. And when you say, well, you know what, this is the only way, this is the only thing I can do to live and to make it, to do my job, to survive, to pay my bills, to eat is by doing this, you will always make it work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't want a plan B. And like you had said before, I've never had another job. Yeah, I've never, you know, thought about having another job, you know, any more than just across my mind. Like, I wonder what it would be like to have a job. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. besides that. And, um, you know, so, you know, you, you need to make it work and, and, you know, go after the dreams, go after your pursue, what you, what you think is best, you know? Yeah. Uh, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently up to this point? 
That's a that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. Yes, there would have been. It would be more in approach, meaning that I think it's important to know what your strengths and what your weaknesses are as a performer and as a person. And play to your strengths, but also acknowledge and embrace your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And what that will do, okay, is that will then mean that, you know, a weakness that you may have, you can then quote unquote outsource it. You could give that job to someone else. And right. They, yeah, so yeah, yeah. All the hats and putting all the pressure on yourself. You know, I mean, that I think in certain things I would do differently. Mm-hmm. Because on these tours, I'm, you know, making I'm doing all the contracts and I'm doing all the um you know, the booking and the scheduling and the advertising and the marketing. And then I get the truck and I drive the truck and I load the truck and I have crew too doing that too. And then I perform and then I handle all the merch and the sales and this and that. I mean, you know, so I'm wearing all the hats and I say that because, you know, now I can see the value in um, hiring other people to do yeah. it and what those jobs are. So I think that, you know, knowing strengths and weaknesses and I was able to identify weaknesses that I have. And then I can then have somebody who that's a strength of theirs. And it's just going to make you better quicker, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to make you better quicker. And that's kind of what it is. And so I would say certain things, you know, um, you know, what, whether it be graphic design or, you know, what, whatever it is that, that you may or may not be good at, but you know, what you're, what you're supposed to be doing is working on your show and performing, right? That's your product. So pay other people to do the other things so that you can concentrate on what you do best. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jim, Jim Steinmeier, um, had said to me, um, you know, one time, cause you know, for those of you who, um, anybody in the magic world probably knows who Jim Steinmeier is, but those of you who are listening that may not know who he is, he is, um, the best illusion designer, uh, the world has ever known. And he has designed, Illusions for everybody and has broad illusions on Broadway. I designed the vanishing statue of Liberty that David Copperfield that made David Copperfield's career. And, you know, um, so I work with him very closely on the projects and he had told me, you know, you know, one time when he was asked, um, my, one of my assistants had asked him, you know, you never really performed, you know, didn't you ever want to perform instead of just design? And Jim said, you know, Early on, I saw some very good performers, and I realized what they did was different than what I did when I performed. And so I realized that it would be best if I did what I do best and they do what they do best. (laughs) And, you know, and that's a really honest answer is he's saying, you know what, everybody, if everybody does what they do best, the product that you're going to create is going to be, you know, is going to be amazing. You know, mm-hmm. so that's a pretty interesting thing, and um, you know, to think about, to think about. So I think that's yeah. what approach. I, I, there might be a few things I change in approach, but at the same time, you know, I'm a very aggressive person when it comes to my career, mm-hmm. and I, that has you know added to you know the opportunities that um, that I've been able to capitalize on. It's because I have been aggressive with what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. 
that that's that's absolute gold right there because you you have to look within yourself. I mean, sure, uh, you and I have a uh, you know a, a love for magic and a love for uh, illusion and and you know creating these moments for people. Uh, but you know, for for some of us, that might not be what we're supposed to do. So you you have to look within yourself, but then you also have to be honest with yourself too. Right. If right. you find something that you you know, may not expect or, or want to realize. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mark Kornhauser, when I met him mm-hmm. and he came to see my show, uh, he said, and we talked about, you know, performing and all kinds of stuff. And he's great. He's such a smart guy. I mean, wow. And he had said something to me that I felt was so interesting and you kind of touched on it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, if you were asked to create the best magic show you could, would you cast yourself in it? Oh man. Wow. Right. Isn't that so like, it's so, um, introspective on yourself. Like you're really having to analyze yourself as a performer. He's like, would you cast yourself as the lead in the best magic show possible? And he said, and if the answer is no, then you need to figure out why. Mm -hmm. And if you can change that, you know, if the answer is yes, then, hey, you have the confidence and now you need to live up to it and be the best performer that is out there. there and go. I mean, I thought, I, I mean, I'd never heard anybody say that before. And it's really just, you know, I felt was so interesting and it's just thought provoking. I love that stuff. I could talk yeah. about magic and performing, <laughs> you know, and theory, yep. theory and performance and philosophy of just entertainment for hours and hours and hours and hours. I love it. Oh yeah, and that's a completely different episode. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to have you on again and maybe talk all about uh, theory and all that good stuff. Oh, I'm not- so uh, now, now we're at the portion of the show where I have you recommend uh, a resource and a couple of books. So, uh, so first of all, um, yeah, go go ahead, recommend a resource that you always use to our listeners, and this could be anything from an iPhone app, uh, you know, to paper and pencil. Um. Okay. Sure. Um. Now. I'll give uh, for the magic and the magician listeners. Sure. I will give um, the um, the magic book first. Okay. Okay. Cool. So the magic book that you want, okay, that I think is gold, that um, that that I go back to time and time again, is uh, the Conjuring Anthology by Mister Jim Steinmeier. Mm, okay. That book is gold. There's there's a hundred routines in there that just you know from from illusions to close-up magic, card tricks, and stand-up. I mean, it's just great. Um, I go back to that resource all the time. So check that out. If you don't have it, it should be in every magician's library, Conjuring Anthology by Jim Steinmeier. Um, And here's something interesting um, that is another resource that uh, actually Jim Steinmeier told me about this book. And it's you can get on an ebook. It is called Growth Hacker Marketing by Ryan Holiday. And um, I have it on the ebook, and it's basically him talking about how um, bloggers and how to use the internet to market, um, and how best to use the internet to market your your product. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really provocative thinking and provocative ideas, and uh, kind of gives you an insight of you know how things are done in big business that you can then try and apply to um, to you know whatever it is that you're doing. And I've actually done it. And I did some of the techniques uh, that he discusses in this book, 
and uh, was able to get some blog posts and press and coverage out of it. And it's pretty interesting. So that's a book that I would say uh, check out, Ryan Holiday, Growth Hacker Marketing. So you've given us two books, uh, one specific to, uh, to uh, performance and uh, one specific to business or marketing. Could you also give us uh, maybe a, a resource that you use, like it could be an iPhone app or maybe an internet resource or something like that? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, well, as, as cliche and, and, and dumb as this may sound, but <laughs> YouTube is the ultimate resource, really. I mean, you can find everything on there. I learned how to solder on YouTube. I learned how to wire um, some of the things in my show properly. You can learn how to sew. You learn how to do everything on YouTube. And I know it's, that sounds like a pretty cliche answer and I'm pretty dumb, but you know, go to YouTube. If you want to learn how to do anything, you know, YouTube it's it on, up. on YouTube. It literally is on YouTube. So uh, there's just one more thing I'd like you to do. I'd like you to give a, a piece of parting advice to our listeners and then tell us where we can find you online, plug any services or products that you might have. At okay. The end. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think the, the most important thing, and this isn't just for performers, but it's also for, um, you know, anybody and not just magicians and not just entertainers. Um, but it's really is never give up, you know, never give up, always keep pushing, always try and learn, you know, um, the people, you know, and, and surround yourself with good people. You know, um, I've been very blessed to always have good people around me and on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm going to mention a few people right now just because I have to. Uh, you know, of course, Steve Daly, I mentioned in this podcast already. Yeah. Um, Jim Steinmeier, um, Jay Alexander is a huge, huge influence and help for me. And I've learned a lot from him. Uh, Tony Clark, um, you know, my best friend, Norm Ofsted. These guys, you know, and of course my crew. But I mean, these these guys really... Um, have helped me in my career. So you want to surround yourself with good people and you'll find these good people. And here's a question, you know, the people you want to be around are people who want the best for you, even when it may not be beneficial to them. Mm. See, if people leave you because all of a sudden it's not beneficial to them anymore, those aren't the people you want in your life. Those are not the people. So if someone all of a sudden, you know, um, they want the best for you and it may be a little bit of a conflict for them and they may be going, Oh no, this guy might be taking, you know, you know, this or get jealous or upset that you're going to, you know, go farther than them. Mm-hmm. No, man, just, you don't want those people around you. You just want positive people that want you to go as far and as high as you can. Um, this is information too. I know I'm, I'm going long on this because I feel passionately about this. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, but you know, here's an interesting quote is, you know, a people, like to do business and work with a people b people like to do work with like to work with and do business with c people see a's want to work with the best Mm -hmm. but b's they want to feel and be the best so they will only work with c's oh so a a people will work with a people b people will work with c people Hmm. And, and it's a very interesting idea. So surround yourself with good people that want the best for you and want you to go as high as you can and, and whatever it is that you wanted that, that may be. So, um, those are my advice for, for everybody out there, you know, um, just don't give up and surround yourself with good people because you can't do it all on your own. You're going to need, 
you know, help. And, um, and, and that's, and that's my advice to you guys. And if, and like I said, you know, if anybody gets encouragement from hearing some of the things and the challenges that, that I go through or other people go through, you know, that's what that's about, you know, mm-hmm. be encouraged, be encouraged, encourage others. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other part. Encourage others, give. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyhow, yeah. So then, you know, my website is, uh, alexramonemagic.com, uh, facebook.com slash alexramonemagic. Uh, you know, you find me on YouTube, Instagram at Alex Ramon, um, and Twitter at Alex Ramon magic. You know, if you just Google Alex Ramon, you'll find me. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and please, and if any of you guys are listening to this and you're maybe hearing me talk for the first time, uh, you know, send me a note, let me know that you heard this and, and, and tell me what you thought. And, uh, I'd love to, like I said, I'm very engaging on social media, so make sure you reach out to me there. And, um, and I hope to see you guys, you know, in a live show one day on tour or, uh, maybe just over social media, but either way, I'd love to connect with you guys. Alex, wow. <laughs> you've shared you've shared all kinds of information that our our listeners will definitely be able to use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience. My my pleasure and and I and I I, I loved it. I loved it. Thank you so much. Hey guys, this is Chris Shepard, your host, signing out. I just wanted to remind you of a couple of things here. Uh, Be sure to visit our Facebook group and interact there. You can find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash FB group. And also don't forget to check out that free PDF show booking and debrief form. And you can find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash booking sheet. And also if there's any way that that you think I can improve the show or anything uh, you would like to see in the future or anybody you'd like me to, you know, try and get on the show as a guest, uh, just shoot me an email at ks at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com. Now, go out there and make your dreams happen. Hey, Lake Tahoe, ice cream's on me.